All right, if you look this morning, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1 um, and verse 27. And let me, also, let me just um, remind you, uh, grade school camp begins this week on Tuesday. There are a bunch of kids are going to be headed down to Livingston uh, for that. So remember uh, Jeffy, um, our uh, leader in, of that band and that group. Um, and Jeffy just does a great job from year to year. Uh, pastor Ben, uh, our missions pastor, is on his way in, coming in from Africa today. He's flying back in. He's going to be the camp pastor and is going to be teaching uh, during this coming week. And also, Joel Weir and his team are going to be doing the music. So they're all going to be down there, as well as many from our tech team. And so Catherine and I and a couple others will try to keep the lights on here on the hill. <laughs> while everybody else is gone. So um, just pray that God will just hold everything together while so many are, are out and gone. And, uh, but it's going to, be, going to be a great week, and I'm looking forward to what God is, uh, is going to do. Also, Pastor Todd is going to be in uh, Mississippi, and he's going to be leading a camp there. Uh, two different camps are going to be coming in, and he's going to be speaking about seven times during the week, and so if you will, remember him and, uh, and pray for him as well. All right, we're going to be starting this morning on uh, this series about made to be male. And what I want to do is just want to start by just, if you notice, the title of the message is Original Design. And so we're just going to talk about for the next several weeks, just kind of unwrapping uh, from a biblical perspective, what, what is it um, that it means to be a man? Um, as far as God uh, is, is concerned, so that we will do life um, as God intended for men to do life, to do it His way. And so we're talking about made to be male. And the reality is that God intentionally created men, and He also created women, of course, but He created us with innate differences, not just sexually, but innately. Um, we are different at our, at our core. Uh, Genesis 1.27, if you notice there, says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God made us, he made men, innately different from women. And I know you have noticed that if you've been um, going through your life, you have seen it in children particularly and in us even as human beings. There's just differences between us. You know, girls mature faster than boys, right? We've seen that. Uh, it's amazing. A 17-year-old girl can function many times as an adult. They may get out on their own. Even some young girls have gotten in and had their own apartment uh, at a young age, 17-year-old guys, they're still giving their friends wedgies, you know, and, and you're like, what, what is that? You know, but we're just, we're different, uh, and we're different emotionally. Um, it's amazing, you know, even in our 20s as guys, um, 20 years old, 21, it's amazing. We get lost, right? We're not stopping to ask directions, we're going we're gonna to figure this out. This is, you know, we, we can learn. We can get ourselves out of this. Um, and it's amazing. I still find it. Here I am in, you know, in my 60s. 
when I am when I am coming from town and coming this way, and you know, two-lane traffic, you know, going one direction. There is something inside of me, and guys, I think you identify with this. There's just something inside of us. You know, you've already scoped out the guy next door to you, right? And it's just like, you know, when you start off, if he's acting like he's going to get a little bit ahead of you, oh, no, that's not going to happen. You know, I'm, I'm going to get on. And I, I, there's just something inside of me that that accelerator just kind of goes down a little bit heavier. What, what is that? You know, it's just, it, it, it's, it, it's in there. So what does it mean to be a man. I want you to notice if you get out your life point outlines, if you haven't already done that. Number one, I just want to mention God made some male. He made some of us male. Genesis 1, 27, and God created man in God's own image, in the image of God. God made him and he made him male. And the first thing, let me just point out three things that are just obvious here. Things for us to think about, things for us to to recognize. Number one, as men, we are made. We're made. God was personally involved in my existence and in your existence. When your mom and dad loved each other, your, your birth, you know, I've said that there are accidental parents, but there's no such thing as an accidental child. We are not chance organisms. We are not chance births. We are planned creations. And you were born from your parents with specificity. God made you, and he made me the way that he did. He chose our parents, and he gave us to them to bring in all that DNA and, and all those different things. And I know even in our world today, you know, there's debates about, about creation and about how God made everything. And there's those who want to say they believe that God created, but that God used evolution along the way. Now, I don't buy into that. You know, if, if you start out with that from the beginning, then you've got to answer the question, well, where exactly do you jump in to believe the Bible just the way that it's written? But God started and he said in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth and he formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his life the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And there's just nothing there about development taking place. God made us. He made Adam completely mature. He was made a mature man. And when God made our universe, he made it mature. He made it whole. And that's why scientists get confused about the age of the whole thing. God made everything as it is. And he created and he fashioned us in the way that he wanted us to be. And here's the truth in your outline. Men and women are not accidental. We are intentional. And we're not part of the animal kingdom. We are set apart by supreme plan. And that, that's what we teach here on the hill. That's what we put into your children. That's what we want them believing and holding to when they leave this place. Because if they don't, if they begin to absorb all the stuff about evolutionary process, then we become nothing more than animals. In fact, we used to be animals, and now we're human, and we're, we're not what God made us to be from a biblical perspective. So then number two, not only are we made, but we were made in God's image, which I've touched on a little bit already, but God put something into us that he withheld from the animal kingdom. And the inside in your outline is human beings have something of God in them. God gave us eternal souls. 
You know, we've already had the discussion about whether or not your animals and your pets will be in heaven with you. And I'm not going to jump in that. You know, preachers jump in where angels fear to tread. But let me, let me just say, we're the only ones with eternal, immortal souls. And it's more than intelligence. It's more than just consciousness and more than the ability to think and to reason and to develop. Look at the truth in your outline. Made in God's image means we can have an interpersonal relationship with our Creator. There's nothing else on the planet that can do that. There's no other animal that seeks its Creator except you and me. We're the only ones with this innate awareness that we are not alone. And then number three, we were made male and female. In other words, I simply want to make the statement that we understand as men, God created all of us intentionally with diversity. And so God made me different from my wife, Catherine. Not just sexually, we're different. And that differentness is with intentionality. God did it on purpose. And so let's go to number two. Consider the innate differences that are there. The innate differences. When God made Adam and Eve, he not only, like I said, made them different sexually, he put these differences down inside of them that are at their very core. Now, I've never had girls. God determined that Catherine and I were only going to have two children. And um, that was the way that it was. We thought we'd maybe have three, but God cut it off and he was sovereignly in control of all of that. And so I've only had two boys um, and she and I both together. Um, but now we've got granddaughters. And so I've been able to just kind of, you know, see that differentness that is there that I didn't get the chance to have in, in my home when um, I was developing as a dad. And the thing I've noticed about granddaughters is, as I've watched my granddaughters interact with their dads, with Christian and, and with Joel, like the boys, they love to play chase with their dad and they'll do that. There are games that, that they will play. I have as yet to ever hear one of my granddaughters say to Christian or Joel, hey dad, let's wrestle. <laughs> I just, I don't, I, don't, I don't hear him ever do that. Um, at holiday times, my family, you know, we love fireworks. We enjoy doing that and getting out and just, you know, all that. And the girls love that. They love Roman candles. They like the sparklers and they like the stuff that just shoots up in the air and, and blows up and everything. I have as yet to ever see one of my granddaughters say, I would like a pack of firecrackers, Papa, because I've seen some anthills I want to blow up. <laughs> I just, I've never seen that. Now, the boys do it all the time, you know, the, and just blow ants to smithereens, you know, and they love that. Um, I used to love to get those, remember cherry, how many of you remember cherry bombs? I think they've been outlawed. You can probably get them somewhere. I love those things, you know, with the wax fuses, because you could light them and throw them in water, and they'd, you know, and they'd just, boom, like that. I love to put those down in crawdad holes. That was so much fun. I never see the girls doing that. They, 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 never, they never did that. They never wanted to take these and, and blow up anthills or explode green bean cans. You know, and guys, that's what they live for. My granddaughters like to play with other girls. They enjoy that. And, and they love getting down on the floor and play. But I've never yet seen them down with cars and trucks going, Ew. you know, I, you just... You don't see girls doing that. 
I, I've, I watch my granddaughters play video games. I have as yet to see them get involved in a video game that is involved with ultimate conquest, humiliation, and extinction. <laughs> I've never seen them do that. My grandsons, all the time, all the time. I came in the other, other Sunday. You know, this is right after church. Garrett and Warner in there, and they've got, you know, whatever it is on, you know, on, on my TV screen. And they're like, boom, boom, boom. And I said, what are you doing? And one of them said, I'm killing him. You know, I'm, and guys are just falling off to the side, you know, and I'm thinking, man, right out of church and we're blowing people up. <laughs> my granddaughters like games. Emma is 13. She's, she's my oldest one. But they've never played a game that I've ever observed where in that game everybody dies. The girls just aren't attracted to those kind of games. It's, it's an amazing thing. And if it is true that God has made us male and female, and he has, and it is, and if it is true that God intended that the characteristics of maleness for those of us that are male would be a certain way, and it is, then the goal of every individual man that is here this morning or will be here during this series ought to be that we will live our male lives like God intended for us to live it. And we've already seen there are some differences between the sexes. I am indebted to different ones. And I want you to understand in, in, in this series of messages, I've done some wide range of reading. All of this is not, is not all just coming from me. Uh, Pastor Professor J.E. White, uh, Dr. James Dobson has helped me. Uh, John Eldridge uh, has been a resource for me. So I want, I want you to understand that. But Professor and Pastor uh, J.E. White said this. He said, the goal isn't for guys to get in touch with our feminine side, but to be in touch with what's going on with our masculine side. What's going on with us as, as men? Male is what you and I guys are as men. And look at the inside in your outline. God created men to be strong, aggressive, and not heavy into soft and sweet. But I want you to know there is a balance. Being male doesn't mean macho. It's not like you just live to, you know, to pump iron and, and to grunt and to holler while you're doing it or to kick sand in somebody else's face. But it is a call to be what God made us to be as men. And the confusing thing is identifying what does it mean to be a man? And what, what is it? I, I mean, how many of us as guys were taught by our dads what it means to be a man. Maybe some of us, but I would dare say not all of us, were taught that, just exactly what it means to be a man. And many times, as guys, we will often make the mistake of going the macho route. You know, we're going to be kind of like Rambo and, and all of that, and we're going to, we tend toward violence, and we tend toward, if I'm a man, I'm going to be overbearing, and, and you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to come down hard on my wife at times, and I'll, you know, stick out my chest and that kind of thing. And maybe, and some guys even wind up being abusive, or they go the opposite end, and they're just passive and uh, effeminate. And neither one of those is what God made us to be as men. John Eldridge, in his book, Wild at Heart, said this, he said, we are to be men, wild, dangerous, strong. God made us that way. 
And the world needs us to be that way. But it's like a scalpel. It can wound or it can save your life. But don't make it safe by making it dull. You just make sure that the one wielding it knows what it's for. Isn't that the truth? Somebody picks up a scalpel, you want to understand, okay, you know what that's supposed to do. You know what it's for. It's very sharp. And it's, you know, it's not for, you know, slicing roast. It's, it's got a purpose and a plan for it. And so what God is saying is, there's a purpose and a plan for you and I as men. And God wants us living out that plan. And that's what I think in all this thing with was having so many issues in marriage and in relationships that during this whole month of June, with it being the month of Father's Day, that we just talk about what does it mean and just get us to thinking as guys about, about what that's all about. So number three, let's talk about what it means to be male. What does it mean to be male? Dr. James Dobson in his book, Straight Talk to Men, um, boiled being a man down to two things. And I just want to give those to you this morning and, and you have the message. Number one, being a man means to be a protector. To be the man means that we are a protector. I can remember my dad, Weston, um, talking about how that in his day, guys would be at the ready um, to protect the woman and, or the, and the women in, in their lives. And if somebody insulted the woman or the women of their family, those people needed to understand that they were going to have to deal with either the husband or the father or the brother or a son uh, because they were going to defend their woman. Dad told me a story. I uh, raised up in, in South Arkansas. Um, there was this family, he said, that lived just down the road from them. Dad and mom were both raised in, in the country. Um, their houses had the dog trot down through the middle. How many of you know what a dog trot down through the middle of the house is? You understand that? Okay. And so um, that said that there was a family down the, down the road from them, and they were all sitting out on the porch one evening, and this husband and his wife, they had, I don't know, have several sons, but they only had one daughter. And they were all out on the porch, and there was a guy. Never, I, never, I don't understand why he would, he would have done that. But anyway, there was this young man that was passing by, and he turned to the family and he made an off-handed, off-color remark to the girl. It was not a smart move on his part. Because in a flash, every one of her brothers were off the porch and they were on him like crazy. And that young man learned that afternoon what it means to respect the women folk, particularly in, in that family. And so here's the truth I want you to see in your outline. In days gone by, the women of a house were under the protective umbrella of the men. That's history. That's, that's the way it is. And a man would lay down his life for any woman in the house. Why? It's what a man does. A man does that. Um, I didn't tell Catherine I was going to tell this story, but we, we've told it before. Um, this just kind of keeps her excited about coming to worship. She never knows what's going to happen. <laughs> I had a, um, I was speaking at a church um, here in East Texas one Sunday night, or maybe it was during the week. 
And uh, I spoke one, one, one of the services, and then uh, when the service was over, well, she and I um, stopped in one of these small, small towns to, uh, to get a bite to eat. And we stopped at this restaurant and went in and, and sat down in, in one of the booths. And, and there was a jukebox, and, and it was playing. So, you know, we weren't in a, you know, a high-end restaurant, obviously. But anyway, it was good food. And um, there was a guy in there. There were several men, and there were also other couples. But there was a, a guy in there, obviously inebriated. And um, it was kind of some fast music was going on. And he was going from table to table asking the women if they would get up and dance with him. And he kept making his rounds because, of course, he kept being turned down. He kept making his rounds and came on around and finally came to our table. And so he leaned down over on the table and he looked at Catherine and he asked her if she would like to dance with him. Well, before she could decline... My mouth was open, and I finished her sentence for her, and I said, no, she wouldn't care to dance with you. And that's when he kind of leaned in toward me, and he said, we're not dancing, not because of what you said, but because of what she said. And I thought, oh, well, here it is, right here. And I'm, I'm in my best suit, man, and, you know, I have no idea how this is going to turn out. You know, but, man, I started to get up. And about that time, the guy had a friend who came up beside him, and he was just all over himself. He said, we're so sorry. Forgive him, you know, and everything. And he, he took him, and he led him, and they, they went outside. I have no idea how that was going to go. But I do tell you this. She wasn't dancing with that man. <laughs> and he wasn't going to be touching her either. Um, and so I'm just simply saying, you know, and I didn't even think about that. I, I, it wasn't like I was trying to size him up. It didn't matter what his size was. There was something inside of me that just came out and opened my mouth. And I said, no, you ain't touching her. That, no, that's not going to happen tonight or any other night for that matter. You know, there is something. God has hardwired men to be protectors. It's just the way that he's made us. And it goes to the reality that men overall, for the, for the, on the average, are larger and stronger and more aggressive. And please, ladies, that's, it's not a feminine put down. I'm just simply saying God's word is all about equality among the sexes. But there are distinctions in responsibilities and what we're supposed to do. And what God is simply saying for the man is that being a protector is one of the things that God has put in us as men. So look at the truth in your outline. To be a man biblically means to provide security. And providing security isn't just physical, but it's also emotional and, um, and relational. I read a testimony when I was studying for this. There's a man who's on a ski trip with his family, and he got frustrated uh, because he was trying to teach everybody how to ski. And he got all frustrated with his wife and his kids because they were just like, you know, they were hard learners about, you know, getting the skis underneath them. They, you know, had difficulty carrying their own equipment. So he was having to do that. They were constantly needing to go to the bathroom and they had a penchant for just losing stuff all day long. And so finally, according to his story, he just said, I'm just, I'm done. You know, like we're done with the day. We're, we're going to go in. And so they were getting ready to do that. And he called it a day. They were getting ready to go back to the lodge and they were waiting on their ride to get off of the mountain. And he said there was a, there was a group of people, you know, who, who were there. 
And he said there was this young girl. And he said she was obviously physically and, and mentally challenged, maybe 15 years of age. And she was standing alone, just out from everybody else. And she kept calling out loudly, whoever, whoever. And that's all she just said, just over and over again. Whoever, whoever. And um, he said it was just nonsense words, loud and repetitious. And then other skiers, young, attractive, well-outfitted, looked on this young girl with, you know, rejection and disdain in their eyes and, and in their faces. You know, and it was, just, it was just that thing. You knew they were thinking, who, you know, who's this crazy that we've, we've gotten with us? I mean, you can just imagine what was taking place. He said, and all of a sudden, out of the crowd, a man walks over to her, obviously her dad. And he puts his arms around her, and he just nestles her head into his chest. And he looks down at her, and he says, yeah, babe, whoever, whoever. And he just held her, the guy said, in front of all of us. And he said, I thought it was as if he was saying to all of us, yeah, it's true. My daughter is what you call retarded. And we can't hide that. She's very limited in her ability. She's not going to sing the songs or write books. In fact, she's already out of school. We've done our best for her. But I want you all to know, this is my girl. And I love her. She's the whole world to me. And I'm not ashamed in front of all of you to be identified with her. And if any of you are thinking of ridiculing her or hurting her, you need to understand you deal with me because I'm going to protect her. Isn't that what a dad does? Isn't that what a God does? It's what men do. We protect. But then lastly, we provide. Men and women provide. I know that. But men do it differently. We're different in that. Here, let me give you a truth in your outline. Women cannot work and people don't even blink. Have you noticed that? You ask a, ask a uh, lady of the house, well, do you work outside the home? No, I'm a stay at home. We don't think anything about that. You ask a guy, what do you do? Oh, I stay at home. You're like, jerk. <laughs> right? Am I not right? Hello. But it's not so with a man. Men are expected to work. We're expected to do that. Women provide. What, what you bring to the table, you bring this emotional and this empathetic comfort and caregiving. You know, moms are there when, you know, you get your bobo and, you know, and all of this and everything. Dad, they kind of look at it and say, oh, it's not bleeding. You're fine. Go on and play. <laughs> Men give comfort by providing food and clothing and shelter. And in doing that, a man feels pride and, and fulfillment. Here's the truth of your outline. Self-esteem for a man comes mostly, ladies, listen, from his work by which he provides for his family. That's why when a man loses his job, it can be devastating to his ego. Guys go into depression. Why? Because work is what a man does. It is attached to him. We are like attached to our work. It is what we do. And our, our manhood, our livelihood, who we are as guys is tied up in what we do. And here's the insight. Providing is also about leading. It's not only 
that I provide financially and materially for my family. But as men, we provide leadership for our families. We're providing in that. Ephesians 5.22 from the message. Listen, the husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. A love marked by giving, not getting. So how am I supposed to lead Catherine? How, am I, how are you supposed to lead your wife? You, you lead by loving selflessness. This thing about thinking about them. You, as men, we are to think more about them than we think about ourselves. About providing a house for them. About providing a life for them. About providing a, a livelihood from them. And then there's another thing. If you've got daughters... Guys, listen, there is an increasing sexualization in our society toward young girls. Have you noticed that? Some of the clothes that the young girls many times have choices to wear are just over the top. And on TV and in media, there are these ads about clothing and, and cosmetics. And I want you to know, they've done so many studies. It is well documented that this can lead to damaging results for your young daughters. Young girls are being led to obsess about body image. And they've got to buy certain clothes for school, and they've got to look a certain way. And more and more young girls are having eating disorders, low self-esteem, depression, and getting involved in promiscuity. Why? All that desire about wanting to be accepted. Columnist Kathleen Parker, she writes a twice-weekly column in the Washington Post, and she writes on culture, and she writes on politics. She raised a question on this issue with young girls, that's, and, and she made a statement that surprised a lot of people, because here's what she asked when she was talking about the devastating effect of our society on young girls, her question was this. This is not a Christian writer. She said, where are the fathers? Here's the insight. Young girls get their self-image grounded from their dads at an early age. So if you've got young daughters, how they're going to behave and how they're going to handle life as women is going to come from you and me. Parker wrote this. She said, fathers are the ones who tell their little girls that they are perfect just the way they are, or at least those dads should be. And dads, you be affectionate toward your daughters and compliment them. You set them up as your, your princess because dads are the most significant man in the life of your daughters until they marry. You are the most significant one. And when you have been faithful to that, you can be the one then to guide your princess as she navigates the waters of dating and love and marriage. And she'll listen to you because you're her princess. She's your princess, rather. That knew that didn't sound right. So here's the point. Okay, here's the point. Gentlemen, it is a privilege to protect and provide. That's being a man. Just you bow your heads, please? Heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. As we get ready to close this morning, 
I want to give us an opportunity just to start this month off with prayer. There, there are going to be some huge, some huge subjects that I'm, I'm going to tackle that I've just, and I shared with you, I've, I've really just felt a burden, particularly about the thing of generational sin. I think that there is a lot that happens in our homes and in our families because of, of how you and I as men were raised and the things that we experienced. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, and um, we're going to talk more about what it means to be a man. But also, one of the things about being a man is learning how to deal with your past. Because if I can't deal with my past, it's going to be difficult for me to be the man my family needs for me to be. And so this morning, I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to ask you to stand in just a moment. And I'm going to ask you as guys, and, and ladies, you, you may want to come with them. If you want to, that's fine. And you may want to kneel where you are or just come to the altar. But I want us to pray for this month. I want us to pray and I want us to ask God to meet with us. And that this will be a significant month for men. That this will be a life-changing month. You know, it is well documented. If a woman comes to faith in Christ, a mother, a wife, we may get the children to come. At least they'll come for a while until they start driving. And then often if it's just the woman, the kids ultimately will quit. Not in every case. But if they're seeing their dad sit at home, that says a lot. But when the man comes, when the man comes to the hill, when he comes before the Lord, he brings his wife and he brings the children with him. The kids come. You know why? Because dad's coming. And that's not slinging guilt. That's just, I mean, it is what it is. If there's anybody that, that I hope will be affected during the month of June, it's going to be the men. And so, if your heart will join me with that, would you come and just stand here at the front or kneel where you are, bow your heads where you are. I'd like for us to stand. And if you'll join me, then just as we stand, you come and stand across the front. We're going to pray for this month. Maybe there's some of you who want to say, Lord, I want to come. I, today has spoken to you in some way, and you realize there's a there's a need for a commitment in your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to invite you as a dad, as a husband, as a man, to just say yes to Jesus this morning. Admit that you're a sinner and that Christ, you know, died not just for the sins of the world, but he died for you. And you'd ask him to save you. So, Father, thank you this morning for the word. God, thank you for... Uh, Thank you, Father, for making us men 
your incredible plan, making male and female, putting your spirit within us, that we have a soul. The breath of God is in us that's not in any other creature on the planet. We are made to be in relationship with you. And because there is a real devil, there is a real Satan, our souls are at high risk. The souls of our sons and our daughters are at high risk. And every path away from you, every path out from under the influence of your spirit, every, every week, every month that we live out of out of a fellowship of believers, every, every year that passes that we are not fully connected with a group of worshipers somewhere is a dangerous time. Because you said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and so much more as you see the day approaching. And so God, we just want to pray that June will be a great month for men to come and to worship and there'll be a pulling effect and we'll bring friends and we will present ourselves as men before you to be taught by you by the spirit and by your word and so God do it today do a marvelous work in these, this summer month of June Lord waken us up do a work in our families for you're the source of our joy and our gladness and we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.